Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry, and it is now Mailbag Monday. Derek, on the football side of things. It is. Back at it. Um, hope you guys listened to the post-game episode yesterday. Go, go download that if you haven't, but we're back at it on Monday answering your football questions. I'm uh, looking forward to seeing what we can discuss today. Yeah, and a couple of things before we get started here. Obviously, Kentucky, LSU Saturday at Kroger Field, 7.30 kick on the SEC Network. SEC Nation will be in town for that. And we also can go ahead and say Kentucky-Georgia will be the CBS Game of the Week on October 16th in Athens, a 3.30 kick. Derek, a big-time spot for this program. Yeah, I thought that was – I had looked at the slate for that weekend, uh, I think last week, and – or no – after the South Carolina game. And I had figured as long as Kentucky took care of business against Florida, well, I'll say it that way, as long as they beat Florida, I wouldn't say take care of business, but as long as they beat Florida, they would have had a great shot at that. So I think that was easily um, – I mean, in terms of implications as to what it could mean to a division, it's really the only game, I think, in the SEC that weekend that could have a direct impact. And, again, the way Georgia's playing, I don't know that anyone's going to be able to beat those guys uh, until maybe Alabama in the SEC championship game. But regardless, uh, if UK were to pull the upset, it will be in the most desired TV slot you can have in the SEC. So a big opportunity, no doubt, for the program. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and just dive into this mailbag. Uh, It's football only. So if there's basketball questions, we will do a basketball mailbag at some point here very soon, and we're going to throw all these basketball questions into it. But the bulk of this has been football. So let's start with this question from Ben. What is the ceiling of this team if the offense starts clicking again? I mean, we've, we've seen what this defense can do. If they, uh, if they get that offense going at all, and if you, if you watch uh, Van Hiles Twitter breakdowns, Derek, they're close on some plays. And I think that it is becoming a thing that they just need more time in this system to really get acclimated to it and get used to it. You're starting to see some execution on some big plays. Like the play where Wandell scored a touchdown, the execution was perfect, and then Wandell goes and makes a great play like he does. But he doesn't have that chance to make that play without Cavassier Smokes block and some others. So they're executing some plays, but they're also just a fraction off on some plays as well that I think that you mentioned it yesterday. Those final five games of the season, I think you could see the offense really take off. Yeah, I mean, I think the ceiling is, you know, I I think Ben might have asked the question that we discussed, whether it was more realistic that they would go 11-1 and or beat Georgia. So I'm kind of like coming full circle on this question because I do think like I – theoretically, if they were to really start clicking on offense and you would think – I'm just going to be blunt. I really don't see them beating Georgia. I just I just don't think – I don't know that anyone is this year. Uh, so, any other game, like, yeah, I don't see any other reason that, that if the offense is playing very well that they couldn't beat everyone else on their schedule. It's not me saying they'll go 11-1, and one, but if you're looking for the ceiling, if they're clicking in all – um, sorry, in all phases, which they have not done yet this season, it's it's been, you know – I mean, I guess against Louisiana Monroe they did, but since that first week it's it's kind of been – not a full game put together up from both sides plus special teams. I mean, you have a couple units depending on the game that really steps up and, and helps them out against Missouri. The offense was clicking. Um, and then the last two games, really the defense has played great. So, I mean, it would have to be 11 and one, right? I don't, I don't, 
I don't I don't know that they're going to consistently be able to do enough to actually get to 11 wins. But yeah, I mean, I think at this point, I mean, hell, I guess the it's in play. Yeah, I mean, we got another question later where I'll dig a little bit more into what I think the final record might look like. But that's a good question from Ben, and I, honestly, I think it's probably the question everyone's asking right now is if these guys all click at the same time, like how good could they be? And they're five and zero despite that, which I think you probably have to be thrilled about. You have to absolutely. Uh, going to group these two questions together. One's from Lane. What is it going to take to get the offense going efficiently? And then UK Shane. Why can we not? throw the ball the quarterback looks like he's just a little off need to use the tight ends more so I just group those two together Eric I think the efficiency goes back to what I said on the first question I think that they're still getting to a point to where uh, they're they're learning the system they're getting more game reps I mean it's different when you scheme it up during the week and then you get out there on Saturday and have to do it in live speed against SEC athletes uh, but I think too how much do you think it plays into into it that, you know, Liam Cohen is still finding his footing as an offensive coordinator. And maybe as he gets more experience in this, maybe this offense gets better as well, that it's not just a one, one way street here. Maybe it's a little bit of both. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I mentioned it yesterday. I mean, Cohen really at this level, it's his first time running the show. Levis, the same deal. I mean, I know he had experience at Penn state, but, this is his first time as a starter going through the grind of you know preparing for different teams week in and week out. Florida's defense has been pretty good this year. Um, uh, LSU's defense maybe less so versus what you would maybe expect from a from an LSU defense. They've probably not been as good as you would think, uh, but they're not horrible by any means. I mean, it's going to be another challenge. You know, they're going to have great athletes guys who can disrupt the game. I mean, that's that's going to be the case when you play a team like that's going to be the case for the next two weeks. I mean, Georgia to a, to an extent that they will not see again this season. Um, I mean, honestly, they're kind of trending in, towards an all-time defense right now. <laughs> so, I mean, you go back-to-back shutouts in the league. I don't care who you play. That is – that's ridiculous. And um, so that's going to be a tough week, and that's kind of why I've been pinpointing – post Georgia as a way to kind of evaluate this offense. But this should be a game, though. I think that, you know, I just saw the tweet that LSU is last in defending the pass in the SEC this year – or, yeah, this season. So, like, you, you got to take advantage of that. And, um, you know, in terms of the passing game, I, I don't know about the whole throw it to the tight ends more. I will say I am surprised that the tight ends haven't been more involved. But, again, uh, involved. I mean, Stoops talked about it today – 40 what they run Sean 47 plays is that we decided they ran yesterday once we got the stats figured out 47 or 46 one of those two that's, that's just not very many plays I mean you can really want a game against Florida yeah you can't really spread the ball around though and get more people involved and that's all I man they had what, 11 drives so you're, you're basically what the math on that is like basically four plays yeah. a drive even even though they said two scoring drives they just did not really sustain anything and that makes it harder to get the ball to anybody especially when you can carve out probably Oh, I don't know how many times they ran the ball the other night, but well, I guess I can figure it out. They ran 47 plays, threw it 17 times. I guess they had 30 rushes. So um, that's in terms of the passing game. You can you can book that more often than not they're going to attempt more rushes than passes. So I mean, you got to take advantage whenever you do have passing downs and, and good situations. So in terms of of Levis, I this morning last night I watched a little bit of the Florida game. Um, well, actually, I watched it all, but I went back 
to earlier in the season, UL Monroe and then Missouri. I didn't get past those two games, but I, I just kind of went through the highlights. And you can tell, Sean, and I encourage our listeners to do so as well, like the in the pocket to start the season, there was kind of a calmness yeah. from Levis. That, that does not exist now. The first completion, I think it was, to Josh Ali, I mean, his feet are, are frantic in the pocket against Florida. He, he just does not look very calm right now. He looks very amped up. And um, I, I think he's going to go through a phase where, you know, he's he's got to work through that. And when he works through that and gets his feet set, I mean, he can be as, ta- as talented as anyone out there with his arm. I mean, his arm strength is, is, is crazy. We all see that. But they got to they gotta figure some stuff out. And I've not gotten to watch Ben Hiles' videos yet. I know you mentioned those. I'd like to go check those out to see what he has to say. Um, but you do sense though from Stoop some of the same things you're talking about though. I mean, he, he truly seems to think that they are they're close to putting it together. The the play to McLean on third down was so close to being a big play. When you go watch Van's highlight, I don't know if you can pull up his Twitter there and watch it as we're recording as I read the next question, Derek. But he was talking about how McLean didn't didn't hold that block a second. If he holds it a second longer, then he ends up uh, letting Kenneth Horsey to get on that backer, and then there's a seam there for McLean to have a big play. So that, and you, we're talking about a kid too that hadn't played. That was his first snap of the season. So, you know, he's amped up. Yeah. And he's excited to kind of get out there and get moving. Uh, but I expect this execution to get better week to week. I, I do think that they were better. You mentioned Levis's arm strength, the throw to Bates on the boundary that Wandell was like, wait, was that for me? And it just blows <laughs> by him to the corner. That's the stuff that we're talking about, that there is talent in Will Levis's game. It's just now about getting comfortable. And, and getting those feet set. And I think, too, adding in some runs here and there. Yeah. The, he, made, he made a really good decision there on the play before Wandell scores the touchdown to, to tuck it and go when he went through his progressions. And he came up with a positive play. I told you, I said, those are huge plays. If you can get positive plays on first down against good teams, you're going to have some success. But I didn't even know that this was a question when I brought up Liam Cohen. But we had a, a DM question from Steven. You guys touched on it in the recap, but I think the issues on offense lie primarily with Cohen being a rookie play caller. I noticed Saturday night that he didn't appear to be adjusting to what Florida was offering and instead was following a plan. In my opinion, Wondell and Rodriguez should have received a majority of the touches until Florida proved they could stop them, then used his decoys to open up the offense. Instead, Cohen seemed intent on spreading the ball around unnecessary, which bogged down the offense. I didn't even know that was a question when I threw that out. Yeah, I don't have the targets pulled up. I do, I do agree. There's a bit of a, a lull between when Robinson had the touchdown to his next touch. I mean, I think you know they got to get him the ball. Would you like to see more jet sweeps and stuff to him, just to get him the ball? Yeah, to Wandale. Not like handoffs in the back. I mean, you don't want to turn him into running back the way Nebraska did. But what do you think about some of those jet sweeps that he that he made a big play on against Missouri and some things like that? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think so. I liked what they did. He had two. The I think his second catch was more of a true screen, but his third catch was one where it was just him one on one, and they they ripped it out to him really quick. And he just you know, I mean, if, if they're if a team is going to give you that like Florida did, that's a first down all day. I mean, he's he's not going to get tackled one on one by the first guy that he sees. You know, like he's he was basically able to just catch, and then you know he got knocked out of bounds. And they had the fifteen yards added to it. Um, I like those. Looks. Well, um, I texted you this morning too. Stoops gets really upset when Will misses one of those throws out of the backfield. If you if you go back and watch the game, the one to smoke 
Will, like Stoops was very upset with someone, and it appeared to be Will because that's where he was directing it, that maybe he thought he had too much on the ball or it was behind him a little bit. So obviously, Derek, I think that I think maybe we're seeing Levis make these throws in practice and then it's just not happening in the game because he's so amped up and so sped up that I, I think Stoops just sees how good this offense could be if they could just execute those just that one thing get the ball out, have it be a good throw, or make that one block. I mean, football is a game of inches here, Derek, and if you're a fraction off, somebody's tackling you, especially in this league. Yeah, and I think – I mean, he's probably getting so frustrated because at this level, those, like, have to be gimme throws. He cannot – I mean, that's two times a smoke last game. They didn't those complete. were the throws Kentucky was good at <laughs> a couple of <laughs> yeah. years ago, right? For a little while. I mean, I'd see that's kind of the thing. I mean, we talked about it yesterday. Uh, you know, he – Levis has had some struggles throwing the ball, you know, inter, in the intermediate game. But I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta have that. I mean, you cannot have a against good defenses. It's just not going to be boom or bust where you just chuck it forty yards downfield and someone comes down with it. I mean, they've not actually completed a a very long pass in two straight games, right? I mean, not since Chattanooga, they've not had a, a ball downfield completed. They got to get that back. But you know, if there's nothing that you have to really worry about as a defense over the middle then I think it makes it much easier to drift back in coverage and be prepared for those deep shots. So we just got to keep keep seeing how it comes along for sure. Let's just stay in the DMs here because we have two more – oh, three more actually. I have two more in requests than one uh, that I've accepted. Uh, this one comes from Tim. On Kentucky's last possession at third and two, they decided to throw when we needed to burn clock. Why not run the ball in that situation? Do you remember that play exactly? Yeah, it was, well, yeah, it was a rollout. Um more so than just running clock. I mean, it's it's more important. And I'm I assuming the question saying that they think he has a better chance to to get a first down if they run it. Um, but I mean, what they're trying to do right there is is pick up the first down. And even though was it a complete pass? I guess it was, wasn't it? He tried to throw it out to, yeah. and it did stop the clock. But um, I, you know, you go back and they tried wildcat on fourth and two, but they got stuffed up the middle. So I think they thought there a chance would be – and Cohen explained it after the game. Uh, the idea was you would give Levis a chance to run or pass out there. And, of course, he ended up getting hit before he could dump it off. But, um, yeah, I mean, there was still, I think, just right at five minutes left. So, it was going to take – to me, that was just not a situation yet where you, it was just undoubtedly run the ball. I mean, Florida had all three timeouts. Even if you pick up a first down out there on a run, you're still going to have to – you know, if you run a couple more plays and Florida still stops, I mean, Florida can still have three minutes or so to have the ball. So, I mean, it was not a situation yet, in my opinion, where um, running clock was more important than potentially just getting a first down. And I think that they decided that that rollout that I don't believe they've run all season yeah. <laughs> uh, was the best play to try to get it. And, you know, Cohen said it was a bad call afterwards. But um, I actually think maybe not to his left like that, but I do think, Involving him in some more bootlegs, giving him that option to run or pass. He, he did not look comfortable going to left, did he? On that no, one, no, he didn't. That play looked weird too, because Bates was kind of or not Bates. Uh, Rig was all like kind of by himself, but he didn't throw it to him. It's almost like and they had, like two guys in the same spot. It was just it looked like someone didn't do something right on that yeah. play. It just it looked very odd. Uh, staying in the DMs here, Sam says key takeaways for me were only allowing two sacks and only having one turnover. And I will say this about the sacks. Uh, I know for sure one of them was on Levis. He held on to it way too long. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so that wasn't an offensive line. That was more of a coverage thing. Uh, those are huge stats. And do you think there are legitimate issues within the offense or just too easy to scheme against with it being either a run or Wandale over the top? He also says, I was at the game. I've been to South Carolina and the Swamp. This was 10 times louder than any atmosphere I've ever been a part of the entire game. Well, I think you deserve uh, – you and everyone else who was there, man, it was, uh, it was a great atmosphere. And uh, you deserve a lot of credit for, for affecting the game. Um, I don't think the offense is super easy to, to, to plan against. I think right now a lot of problems are coming on UK's end. I mean, I – Maybe it's too easy, but, like, I do think a lot of the problems right now starts at quarterback. I mean, and it's not me saying you don't need to bench Will Levis or anything like that. He's just kind of going through it right now. And uh, I I think Cohen could help him out a little bit more with maybe getting some easy throws to start game. I don't don't personally – I know uh, Dan Orvlosky, or or I think that's who's calling the game, he he liked the deep shot to start the game. I I really don't. Like, I I never played quarterback. Yeah, I never played quarterback. But to me, like, that's – a very low percentage throw to, to connect on anyway. And uh, I just kind of like starting off a quarterback with some easy throws, try to get them into a rhythm. Um, but everyone's different. I mean, maybe Levis felt more comfortable throwing the ball deep. He's <laughs> had more success doing that. It seems like this year than throwing those easier routes, but uh, just doing some other things like that. And, you know, I, I just think even from Stoops' comments about recruiting skill position guys, getting guys who can change the scoreboard, I think it's very apparent still that uh, they're just lacking at wide receiver outside of Wandell. And I don't think there's a ton of confidence in anyone. And I know Levis wouldn't admit this, but you know, that's going to be his first read. Um, probably every play. any pass play that is specifically not designed to somebody else, it's probably going to be Wandell. And, uh, you know, I just think he's got to continue to grow as a quarterback. I just think that's what they're going through right now. But th- this should be a defense this weekend that they can take advantage of through the year. They should be able to hit on some big passing plays this weekend. I'd like to see someone else step up and make some plays. I know they tried that deep pass to start the game to Epps. Um, Epps seemed to be open. Um, when I watched the replay on the interception in real time, I didn't – like he did need to get it a little higher because there was a linebacker, but obviously just sold it way too much. But – that's a pass so that that can absolutely be completed and that could have gone to gone to Epps for a first down. So um, you just got to keep, keep developing, keep figuring out what Levis is is good at. I mean, again, we're just five games through. And if you view this thing through a a longer term lens, assuming Cohen and Levis are back next year, I mean, you're talking about minimum because I think they're certainly going to be a bowl team next year as well. You could be talking about just five games into a potential 26-game career for Levis. So it's still on the early end, but definitely want to start seeing some progress here soon. Yeah, absolutely. And Ezra says this is more of a statement than a question. One Saturday night was the best. One Saturday night was the best night of my life, and everyone deserves a field storming at least once in their life. (laughs) Two, Josh Pascal might play his way into a round two draft pick. And three, Marquise Mabin is the most delusional Louisville radio host in a complete airbag. (laughs) Don't even know who that is. I don't don't either. (laughs) That's no offense to the guy he's talking about. I just – I don't have a comment there on that. Um, Yeah, Pascal was was tremendous. Absolutely a great player. He's another one of those guys I think will probably end up in the senior bowl at the end of the year. So So tremendous that Jacquez Jones got SEC Defensive Player of the Week and Pascal gets Special Teams Player of the Week. I actually thought there was a chance that both would be co-defensive players of the week. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was a huge performance from uh, both those guys. But Pascal in particular, I mean, so disruptive. Just a, a tremendous game. Um, yeah, he, he was that, – that was the preseason All-SEC Josh Pascal that people saw. And that's what he, I think, could have been last year before that knee injury really slowed him down. But he is someone, especially this weekend, who has a chance, I think, to be really disruptive again. Uh, I mean, LSU ran for 33 yards against Auburn. Yeah. I mean, you know, Auburn's at a pretty good defense. They typically do, but 33 yards, though, I mean, that's that's crazy. And I mean, you know, UK's run defense has been so good. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I mean, really, outside of the Chattanooga game, <laughs> they've been uh, really fantastic stopping the run. And, uh, well, for the most part, I mean, Florida, you know, they're going to get they're going to get yards in the run game just with the way it's designed. I think Emory Jones ended up being their leading rusher. Not sure how many yards they – it was under 200, though, right? Because I think they threw yeah. for over 200, and they only had 382. So, really a, a good job stopping the run. And, you know, tough to predict week to week how things are going to go. But on paper, you would, I think you would feel really good about UK's matchup up front against these guys, even with Marquand McCall out. I don't think we've mentioned that yet on this show, yeah. have we? No, but, we uh, have not. He's going to be out a few weeks. So, you know, we got Justin Rogers and Josiah Hayes. Big assignments for these guys. But, man, Sean, when you really think about it, they basically played the entire last game anyway because McCall got hurt so early in the game. And, and when he says a, a few weeks, we don't really know that exact number. But I'm just oh. going off of Derek maybe after the bye week. That's what I'm thinking. I think he's for sure out until, until the bye. I mean, unless he has a very fast recovery and maybe he can give him something against Georgia. But uh, that – for the guys that are banged up right now, it seems like, uh, you know, if you're if you're too hurt to play this weekend, then I don't know that they're going to be. I mean, I'm, I'm UK's gonna do everything they can to beat Georgia. Don't don't get me wrong, I'm not saying they're not, but to to beat a good Georgia team though, or maybe a great Georgia team, like you're gonna need to play the guys that give you the best chance. And if it's either having Josiah Hayes and Justin Rogers at 100 percent or Marquand McCall like 70, percent I think you probably need to go with with the guys that are that are fully rested and healed up and, and can give you the best shot to win. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Looks like we have six questions left. This one's from Richard. Does the team watch the SEC short skits? uh as a team like i'd say probably <laughs> not but i have no idea i don't either i mean those are funny though i haven't watched yeah, yeah they are. i haven't They're watched good. this week have you watched this week i know i watched one with georgia and alabama in the principal's office i haven't no i've not watched this week but i've not watched i didn't see anything about kentucky and then jordan says when are you reserving your plane tickets to atlanta i'm not flying to atlanta from middlesbrough that's like a four-hour drive but <laughs> 
when am I reserving my hotel for Atlanta? For Atlanta, I can't even talk. For Atlanta, Where are you from? Uh, <laughs> probably that day of the last SEC game. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna say. What do you think, Derek? You think some Kentucky fans are looking at that weekend and saying, "Man, what do I have going on that weekend?" Because there's a chance I might be in Atlanta. Or do you think that? Uh, I mean, I'm sure someone out there has probably already booked something, right? I mean, most most hotels. Uh... Well, at least the fans, way I book, they're, fans they're get national high, championship tattoos before the NCAA <laughs> tournament starts. I'm assuming somebody's booked a hotel. Yeah. Well, I mean, most like if you go for me and going through Marriott as a member, like they're very easy to cancel. So you could reserve one. Just I think I reserved one in 2018 just with the there's because, you know, after that Missouri game, I mean, it was literally if they beat Georgia, they made it. So I went ahead and booked one and uh, <laughs> it was easy to cancel later. Still a little early, I would say. But I mean, if they win this weekend and then beat Georgia, you would think they're would, would probably, you know, win the SEC East. But again, that's getting way ahead of ourselves. But uh, yeah, like you. I uh, will not be flying to Atlanta. It's too short of a drive. And uh, I go through my hometown on the way home anyway. So I'll probably stop in there. I think the goal for Kentucky fans right now should be to sell out Vanderbilt Stadium with blue. Man, do you think they'll uh, be able to get tickets for $1? Like that UConn game? I don't know if you saw that. They were going for $1. Yeah. Can you imagine the, the price of one U.S. dollar? That's what I saw that tweet. <laughs> but can you imagine if Kentucky fans sold out Vandy Stadium? Like, let's say Kentucky's on a path to 11-1, and one, or even, let's just say it, 12-0. and 0. Like, do you think Kentucky fans just start this thing, like, let's sell out their stadium, and then it turns an SEC stadium into another stadium that's for the team? That game's on November 13th, so it'll be after the Tennessee game and after Mississippi State. It'll be interesting to see where the team is at that point because, you know, they got this these next four games. You got LSU, who is – Shoot, man, they're probably struggling more than any of those teams I just mentioned at this point. Uh, George is obviously going to be a very daunting task. And then you get the bye week, but you come back with Tennessee. Um, or, sorry, you come back with Mississippi State, right, and then Tennessee. Yeah. Um, so, Mississippi State just knocked off A&M. They, their only loss, I think, is to Memphis, right? Do, do they have a – no, they might have another loss in there. Let me pull up their old schedule. Either way, they just beat A&M. So, I mean, they're coming off a win. Um. Yeah, they lost to LSU. I forgot about that. I was actually watching. I think I like watched the whole game and I forgot about it. <laughs> so you know they're coming off. They had two close losses though. They lost a two to Memphis on a controversial call, basically. Um, beat NC State, who beat Clemson. I'm not even going to get into this whole transitive property thing this year because it's wild. Um, but they had to come back in their season opener. They were down big, came back, snuck one out against Louisiana Tech, and then they've had a two point loss and a three point loss, and then a four point win. So they're playing a lot of close games this year but it's an it's a spot Kentucky's not won in a long time we talked about it 08 and then Tennessee I mean these are four tough games you know Tennessee just looked great I don't, I don't think that's like who Tennessee is per se like I don't think you have to worry about them showing up and scoring 60 points every time they go out there but still it's an offense that you know throughout Heupel's career he's he's produced good offenses and you got to expect that they'll come in and score some points so who knows what Kentucky's offense will look like though at that point so by the time you do roll around to that Vanderbilt game I'll be really curious to kind of see where they are kind of the kind of the mood of the team by then and Walker says how much does a win like that help recruiting I'll answer that one Derek when you get an environment like that going and you tee it up and you finish it and you see the emotion you see the energy from that stadium that is how you land big time recruits because it's the not only does the fans affect the game the fans also affect the opinion 
of these kids that come sit in that stadium and watch these games. They see that, okay, how do I chalk up this visit compared to this visit? Okay, Kentucky's just as rowdy as school A, B, and C. And then they get to see that experience for themselves. It only helps, especially when you complete it and win it. We've seen really good environments pay off in recruiting. This was a really good environment that was capped off with a victory. Those are even bigger. Yeah, I definitely think it carries some weight when you beat Florida. I mean, any time. And to do it in the way that they did with that environment, you can tell it's already paid off because they're getting a commitment on Friday from Caden Worman, who's a three-star out of Franklin County, who uh, they played against Corbin earlier this year. So I reached out to my friend who's on the staff at Corbin, and he had a lot of good things to say about uh, that young man. So that's already paying off with an in-state kid who um, has an offer from Wisconsin, but he's going to be making his announcement Friday. Uh, it's important that they get the, I think, the stadium the same way this weekend. I know it doesn't have the same kind of importance in terms of snapping a streak, you know, beating a team that they've been really close at home against, but it's LSU. And you think about, I mean, this is a team two years ago won the national championship. Like these kids, and that's why, like, we hadn't really gotten into this, and I won't spend all day on it, but like, after, you know, we talked about how much they put into beating Missouri and how they came out, you know, sluggish the next week, it's a lot different getting up for LSU versus a team like Chattanooga. So, yes, even though they just had a huge win, I would worry a lot less about a hangover because I think they realize what's in front of them. And I think you realize that even though LSU is three and two, if you don't come out ready to play, you can still get, you know, beat pretty soundly by a team with that kind of talent. It, you know, it can get away from you. So I think is you know, if the crowd comes back out strong this weekend, you you got the headliner and Emil Wagner who's supposed to be there, you know, highly rated four-star offensive tackle, Ahmad's little brother. It'll be the second time he's been there this year. So, I mean, I think – you talk about him maybe being getting closer to a decision, and then Dane Key, who was who was there again, um, saw videos of him celebrating on the field after the game. You know, Lexington kid, I and mean, they could be close to going on a little bit of a run right here. And any time that you get those guys in the stadium and show them a good atmosphere, uh, I think it, it's only going to make it easier uh, to get those kids to come to UK. And now looking at David's question, after watching the three past SEC games, what's the most important recruiting areas needed going forward? Forward, Minor wide receivers and pass rushers. I think David probably answered that question himself there. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree. I mean, I think wide receivers, number one, um, you know, they just got to keep getting better there. And I think you're going to see the transfer portal help there as well. I don't – because if they don't go to the transfer portal – um, they're they're going to be pretty young next year because I'm assuming all of Epps, Ali, and Robinson will be gone next season. So you're talking about I don't know if you'd even have a true senior at that point who's on the roster right now. Um, and then you would really have no experienced guys who have, who have to this point. I mean, you you always see guys towards the end of the season sometimes start to come on. So I don't want to say that the top three receivers from the team will be gone because perhaps someone could break into that by next year. Um. Pass rushers, you know, they are addressing that in recruiting. They got Tyrese Fearby committed and Keaton Wade, two guys off the edge that I think will, will play a big role in that. Um, but also I would say another area that you could probably use, if, if the right player became available in the portal, you could probably use a more experienced guy, at least as a um, – I don't want to call him a placeholder, but just so you don't have to force those young guys into action because it's, it's just tough to ask a true freshman to, to be – you know, stellar as a true freshman. So try to think if there's anywhere else I would say that's desperately needed. I mean, they're doing a pretty good job in most areas. So I, 
those those probably are the most glaring. I would agree. And then Brandon says, "I have a feeling we can go eleven and one." I worry about LSU and Mississippi State, but both teams can't run the ball. Derek, I actually thought of this this morning, and you and I talked about it last night. If if Georgia goes unbeaten through the regular season, and let's just say Alabama does too, they get to the SEC title game. One of them loses, so one's going to be twelve and one. The other one's going to be thirteen and zero. Both teams are going to the playoff, especially if that game's close. Let's just say Kentucky's eleven and one. What is uh, what's the SEC look like then if they've got three one two one lost teams and an undefeated team? Let's just just throwing it out there, just hypotheticals here. It, I don't see any scenario that three SEC teams will get in. I mean, can you imagine 12. though if the league can flex its muscles though and just say we have two one lost teams and one undefeated team? Yeah, and if one of those teams is UK, then I think people are definitely going to remember this season as an 07 type that was just out of this world crazy because uh, I don't think I can even wrap my head around that. Uh, <laughs> it's not entirely uh, impossible, though. When you look at this, it's not. But there's still a lot of work to be done. There's still a ton of yeah, work to be done. But if well, can, the way they're playing right now, offensively, they will not win 11 games, like playing the way they – I mean, they've – They've done a great job to get to where they are, but that's going to run. Like you got to, you got to get a more total team. I they got to score points to beat Tennessee. Yeah, and some of these yeah. other teams. And Mississippi and then, State. Yep. Yeah. Like I'm. If you had to rank these games, difficult. You know, most difficult, the least difficult. Uh, honestly, LSU is kind of down the list for me. I think Mississippi State might be one of. Obviously, Georgia's one. I'm going to say Mississippi State two, Tennessee three, and possibly LSU four. Honestly, that, that's how I would rank them. Yeah, that's that's a good way to look at. It. I'm not really sure how I'd rank. I mean, I don't want to. The thing with Tennessee, regardless, like you know, you're gonna have to score points. That's but, why I think it's going to be harder because of the way the offense is playing right now. Yeah. Well, I think the good news for UK and something that's always you know theoretically should keep it in games is they've still been able to run the ball effectively, and the defense is pretty good. So, you know, I don't I don't expect if the defense is in a spot where they give up. 35 to 40 points or something against Tennessee, that's going to be a really hard game to win, I think. Yeah. But if you keep them in that kind of 28 or under range, and I think any – if UK can keep teams around there, they're going to win a lot of games this year. I mean – and they haven't given up more than 28, right? That was the most they gave up. Yeah. It was against Missouri. So um, – Last question. Or you, well, are you, are you finished or you want to uh, – No, yeah. I mean, I just – LSU, I mean, I think just the talent, It's even though they've not played great this year, and I don't think Ed Orgeron's a very good coach, it seems like their offensive coordinator is in a lot of hot water with how the season's going. But I, it's still – that's going to be a hard game, I still think, you know, to be able to beat a team like LSU. And it would be – even if they are a little bit down, it would be a tremendous statement to beat Florida and LSU back-to-back weeks oh, because absolutely. Uh, those are both teams on paper that are – that were much more highly thought of than UK entering the season. And to start 4-0 in the SEC. That's huge. Yeah, when was the last time that happened? Because <laughs> they lost to AM, right? In 2018, I think they started 4-0. It's definitely not in our lifetime. Or no, sorry. It was – who'd they beat? They beat Florida, they beat Florida Mississippi, Mississippi State, State South, South Carolina. Carolina. Yeah. Which leads us into our final question. I think it's a really good one. Tyler says, having played five games now, can you reassess what success is for this season? For me, Derek, now that it's five and zero, oh, you can't go seven and five. You can't go eight and four. After you've beaten Florida and started five and zero, oh, 
I don't even know if nine, like nine is success, but I think taking that next step is to get to 10. Given the schedule that they have the rest of the way, you're going to tee it up again this week against LSU at home. You have to finish that one off. I think 10 is what I put it at is what really moves the program forward, but nine is success. Yeah, I feel really confident. Um, I mean, I think Vanderbilt and New Mexico State are gammies. I think they would have to play terrible football to lose to Vanderbilt, just just brutally bad ball. New Mexico State at home, they're one of the worst teams in the FBS. So that's seven wins right there, right? Yeah. And Louisville is not in the same range. I don't. I mean, I think they're absolutely a better team than Vanderbilt and New Mexico State, no doubt about it. But still, Kentucky's roster is better. And I know it's a road game and it's a rivalry game. And because of that, I'm not going to sit here and say it's a gimme. But I would absolutely label it as a game that they should win. So there's eight right there. Um, so really, to me, these next four games are the ones that might put the – you know, how, how good could this thing get. As I sit here today, I mean, I, I think – I think they can absolutely beat LSU. I mean, I think this is a game that if they're going to do what you're saying, you know, if you're going to get to 10 wins, this is probably a game you need to win. Um, you can get there without it, I guess. But uh, if you win this game and you start 6-0, and then, I mean, as long as you knock off that, – that gives you room to, to you know, say you lose to Georgia 6-1 and and then you don't play great against Mississippi State or Tennessee and you take a loss. As long as you split those games, though. You're probably looking at ten. So I, it is a big, it is a big ass, uh, a big aspect this week is to to take care of business and to get that sixth win. Because I mean, the month of November, if you go four and zero, and you beat, I don't know, you, they got a chance to finish strong. If you beat Tennessee and Louisville, Florida all in the same year, I mean, it's something they've not done. Well, that would be that would be huge. You remember in our preseason picks. I, I had it 10 and two somehow, and I couldn't even remember how I got there. And then it was, <laughs> this is the way I had it five wins, then a loss to LSU. If they can get through this one, I certainly think that 10 wins is, are on the table. And if this program can reach that double digit win total in the regular season, Derek, that is so different than getting there after a bowl win. Getting their regular season is a huge thing, especially in this league. Yeah, and it's it's still, I think, a bit of a hard question. I think it's a great question. I told you that before we even started. I think it's my favorite question in the mailbag. But it's it's hard to know. I mean, what if they lose to LSU and lose to, to Mississippi State? And I don't know. There's just a lot of scenarios where you can get to nine wins, but maybe it's you know, who you beat. Like, in, in a lot of ways, beating Florida at home, knocking that off, that's a huge – thing to knock down if you win at mississippi state for the first time since 08 it's not going to be a game that gets a ton of play on a national level but i think for this program to be able to go down there and win a game i think it would mean something not obviously not the same as beating florida at home but i think it would mean something to this program so if you do that and then you beat tennessee and louisville i mean or even if you lose to tennessee you know like i I don't know. I, I think there's still a lot of scenarios to play out. But when I sit here and look at the schedule now, one, it's hard to believe five games are already gone because <laughs> I'm looking at this and I'm like, man, this is like setting up pretty well for them from, uh, you know, once you get through that Georgia game and you get that reset on that bye week and those final five games, I think they're going to go in thinking that they can win all five of them. So I don't know. I, I, I'm with you. If, if they only win eight at this point, then 
in my opinion, they would have to lose the next four games to get there. You know what I mean? Wrapping up here, are you at all worried about a letdown Saturday? No. You're not? No. Coming off an, an environment like that? I mean, I, I think the, I think having an environment that matches that's going to get them through a possible letdown. Do you remember when they beat Mississippi State at home and then the very next week, Craterfield was backed out for South Good. Carolina and they were up 24-3? I mean, they – I think – I. Th- the crowd, I mean, like, if you give them a reason to show up and be loud and be rowdy, like, I don't I don't see how people, or even people on the team, I don't know how you can't get up to play LSU for the first time here since 07. I mean, these, if you were a recruit, I mean, some of these guys on the team were in high school when LSU won the title, or and a lot of the guys were in college when LSU won the title. Like, to me, that should be the the memory in their mind, that like you're playing a national championship caliber, caliber program this Saturday, and you're favored, and you're the ranked team. Like, you need to come in ready to go ready to keep building on what you have because you could have something really special against Georgia the next week. So, no, I, I, I would quite frankly be pretty disappointed if there's a lack of energy or things like that. I don't think that's going to be the issue. They might not win, I'm, but I don't think it's going to be because they weren't prepared to play. I know we'll make our predictions on Friday. But in a, in a way, I, I don't know why, but I could see Kentucky coming out and kind of putting it all together and really actually dominating the game Saturday. I, I really could see them winning. That would be a great it. sign if they finally did put it all together. I yeah. think you got a vulnerable team at, with LSU. That's that, why I think that they could dominate yeah. it. I think that you have a team that's kind of spiraling the way Missouri was Saturday against Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I think you're getting to a point now to where you, you're going to see some of these teams, I think, which teams fight through it, which teams fall through it. And I think that LSU is on and, – and you're getting a vulnerable team coming in that you've got to, you've got to beat them down. And I think that Kentucky has the guys that they could do that. And if they can make some plays in the passing game, like you were talking about earlier, I think that this could be a game that Kentucky could jump out to a couple scores like they did against Missouri. And you would love to see Kentucky then just bury it and just put somebody away. So it's an opportunity. Every Saturday in this league, Mark Stoops talks about it as another opportunity. You're 5-0. You're 3-0 in the league. Each game gets bigger, especially if you're winning. This one's bigger than Florida now. The one following it is even bigger than those two, if you win. So they beat LSU by a couple of touchdowns. I mean, they might be in the top ten when they get down to Georgia. I mean, that might be a top ten matchup if they do that. Now that's going to have ourselves. But I, I was kind of with you. I was thinking, you know, this is an LSU team. Like, I don't know if Derek Stingley is even back. If he's playing, I mean, Emory, the running back, he's like academically can't play because like something happened with his class schedule. Um, they, I think I saw a stat. They're only eight and seven since they won the national title uh a lot of that magic from that season is gone and um like on paper to me this is not a i mean it's a good you know they got good players they have some guys and passing the ball uh, the receivers Butte, guys like that who are, who are difference makers absolutely um but if you like like we were saying i mean it feels to me like a program that might be close to quitting on their coach quitting on kind of what they have and uh you, in some ways, you could kind of be the death knell for potentially Fred Orgeron. I, th- I think you, I think you got to win it. Honestly, uh, I think you you put it up there. It's it's a chance to. I mean, a statement made would be huge if they can beat Florida LSU back to back weeks. Uh, that that's a big time deal. Go on a four game, or actually, it would be would it be a five game SEC win streak if you go back to the South Carolina game ending last season. So they they've got yeah. a chance here to to really continue making some moves in this league and that's how you do it but that wraps up the mailbag thank you all so much for submitting questions i know we put it out on short notice i didn't get it out on sunday 
Uh, we put that thing out at maybe around 11 o'clock this morning, had a full mailbag. We appreciate that. Uh, but most of all, this episode is powered by Blue Wire Pods, and it's also powered by the Butcher's Pub. Three locations, Palmville, Williamsburg, London, Kentucky. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily.